You can be seated. If you have in your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? I said 6, not 26. been such a tremendous weekend together. My heart is just overflowing. I've been buzzing all day and you're like, did you go home and take a nap? I'm like, no, I'm not much of a napper. When you're a dreamer like me, you don't really like to sleep. So really good time teaching at Caneo on Thursday night. Thank you to the Caneo students for having me. Thank you to Pastor Karen and one more time, Todd, just thank you, Pastor, for hosting us so well. I want to start off tonight by sharing a, a story with you that I believe will help to illustrate where God is going to take us tonight If I had a title for this message, it would be called, Hallowed Be Thy Name. I don't know if you've ever had a a friend or a family member where the call of God uh, was visible, it was tangible, and in some particular seasons, they would choose to turn their heart to the Lord. And the gifts that God had given them were on display, and it was a blessing to many people. But for whatever reason in their life, there was a crack in their foundation. I don't know if you've ever known these type of people. And depending on what season you encountered them, they could literally be on fire for the Lord And then the next season, they're a drunk. I don't know if you've ever had to to wrestle through the call of God being irrevocable. In other words, how how could a, a call or a gift from God still function even if this person isn't right with God? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I hope that we're not deceived into thinking that just because someone's gift is functioning, they're right with God. Hope that we're not duped that way, that just because someone can work miracles and prophesy accurately doesn't mean that they're cheating on their wife, doesn't mean that they have secret sin. That, that's totally possible. But there's been seasons in my own journey where just out of a heart of of seeing a call and seeing potential and seeing future destiny prophetically that I've, I've taken a shot at kind of following several gifted individuals into the bar, into the crack house. I mean, I, I, I would, you know, see them in these seasons of just powerfully being used by the Lord but I began to develop the gift of distinguishing of spirits. In other words, I can smell real quickly in the spirit whether someone is a fraud or not. Totally unimpressed by outward displays of power, 
because God has taught me to see beneath that and look for character and integrity, trying to detect if there's skeletons in the closet. And so with a particular individual several years ago, it was like one cycle after another cycle after another cycle. And every time this person would have a high high and a low low and I would go and rescue them literally out of an abyss, I felt an increase of the fear of God each time in my encounter with them. And the first three encounters went something like this. I, I would find them totally uh, um, in remorse and, and sorry. And how did I get here again? And, and how, how did I, 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 I took a vow of consecration. And man, I messed up. I slept with someone else. Or I, I told the Lord I'd never do it again. And I just, I took one drink and then I, I got drunk. I don't really know, know what happened. I would encounter them and I, I would talk to them and remind them of the call, remind them of their destiny and try to appeal to them and say, you, you can't keep doing this. You have destiny in God. And on this fourth encounter, I found the same person in the same cycle, me saying the same thing to them, pleading them, begging them to come back. Lord said to me, whispered in my ear, Jeremiah, every time you've reached out to this individual with a call on their life, you've talked to them about their destiny and their calling. But have you ever wondered about my reputation? There's something that came on me in that moment. I would call it a paradigm shift. Where the Lord said, you might be concerned about the gift and the grace that I gave them, but you are not concerned enough about my reputation that's being dragged through the mud every time they, quote, use my name and yet, Align, miss, yet they malign it. They defame it. Every time people that they continue to sin with in another season saw them operate in power, do you not realize that I am concerned about my reputation in these matters? So I took it as a rebuke from the Lord. I took it as I needed to consider that when I reach out to people who are caught in sin or, or trapped or just naming the name of Jesus going to church and then not even acting like it at work, that when we reach out to these people, what's at stake is far more than them needing to get back on track. I actually need to consider that God takes an issue with people who use his name in vain. And I'm not talking about saying God and adding a curse word on the end of it. I'm talking about misrepresenting God. So the Lord began to take me on this journey in Matthew chapter 6, if you're there. And he said to me, Jeremiah, I want you to look at my prayer. I want you to look at, it's known as the Lord's Prayer. 
I want to reveal some things to you, and I want to share this journey that I've been on, this paradigm shift. Matthew 6, verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless reputation, repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When I began to look at the Lord's Prayer, I realized that I was more familiar with parts of the prayer than others. I grew up in this kind of supernatural culture that kind of took out on earth as it is in heaven. We kind of went after this whole concept that if it's not in heaven, it doesn't need to be in earth. And so they sought to activate us in the supernatural realm, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. But as I went back just a little bit, I was struck with this phrase, hallowed be thy name. And I began to look deeper into what does that even mean? You start the Lord's prayer out. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then it says your kingdom come, your will be done. But his kingdom coming and his will being done is predicated on Father, hallowed be thy name. When I began to look into this, it, it's, it's like I, I don't, initially I was like, God, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because this phrase, hallowed be thy name, this is literally what it means. Father, make your name holy. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to repeat me. But I'm just doing it as an example. Our Father who art in heaven, make your name holy. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, well, I mean, it's like telling this pulpit to become solid. Like, it's already solid. That's like telling fire to become hot. Fire is already hot. Why would I tell God, make your name holy when God is already holy? Why would Jesus instruct us to pray, Father, make your name holy? And as I began to dialogue with the Lord about this, his primary response to me was, my name is holy but you don't understand yet that my name can be defamed. 
I have an issue when my name is misrepresented. He took me to Psalm 23, the good shepherd, talks about leading us in the path of righteousness for whose sake? For whose sake? He's going to get us on the path of destiny, not for our sake, but for his name's sake. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. I want to take us to several passages of Scripture that could lead us into a greater awareness of the holiness of God and his desire to recapture his great name in this generation. Ezekiel chapter 36, I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanliness of a woman in her impurity. Therefore, I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. Also, I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds, I judged them. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they have come out of his land. Look at verse 21. This is about God performing a rescue mission on his people with great destiny. God is talking about dealing with his people but now he is revealing the motive behind his intentions. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore, says the house, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake. O house of Israel, that I am about to act. But for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. I've yet to be at a prayer gathering, and I get invited to a lot of them, and I'm invited into a lot of national leadership-type circles with a lot of very famous charismatic leaders. And what I find interesting is that when we begin to pray and we begin to petition, 
the Lord on behalf of America, I've still never heard someone ask God to intervene in our nation in connection with God make your name holy. I've never seen someone get up and begin to pray and say, Lord, we're asking you to intervene in America. And we like to list, Lord, because of the people and because of the needs and because of the evil and because of this and that. But Jesus here is saying, Actually, when you enter in and you begin to pray, the very first thing you are to pray is, Father, make your name holy. In other words, I'm talking about prayer meetings where we're inviting God to break in for the sake of his holy name. We're saying, God, your reputation has been defamed. Lord, on behalf of a lukewarm church who raises their hands on Sunday and pulls their pants down in immorality on Friday, Lord, because your name is being drugged through the mud, taken out of context, used for our, Lord, we're asking, would you come? Folks, I realize tonight this is like a revival-shaking paradigm shift. Oh, my gosh. Lord, when, when I wake up and I'm even making decisions in life, do I even have your reputation in mind? Or is it just all about me? And all about my desires. And I don't really care about God's reputation because I'm out to get my destiny. It seems to me that there's something that we've missed here in the Lord's prayer where we so quickly want to go to on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, release the power. Release the miracles. Release revival. And we're, we're disconnecting it from the holiness of his great name. In his book, Revival, A People Saturated with God, Brian Edwards explains that one of the most important evidences of genuine revival among the people of God is a deepening conviction of sin and a growing passion for holiness. Revival is a time when people weep over their sin and are consumed with a desire to consecrate their lives to the Lord. Revival is always a revival of holiness, Edwards writes, and it begins with a terrible conviction of sin. It is often the form that this conviction of sin takes that troubles those who read of revival most. Sometimes this experience is crushing. People weep uncontrollably and worse. But there is no such thing as a revival without tears of conviction and sorrow. Lord, we're asking tonight then in our pursuit of revival, in our pursuit of the more, 
in our pursuit of wholehearted obedience and abandonedness to you, Lord, we're asking, would you restore your great name in our city? Lord, we're asking for forgiveness where I've put your name on something and it had nothing to do with you. Lord, I'm sorry where I desired to protect my reputation at the expense of who you really are. Morgan and I had been married for, I don't know, several years, and I might have told this story before, but it's worth telling again. We were young, newly married, and I had decided that it was time for me to buy a new truck. Quite frankly, I didn't care what she said. Hello. Don't worry, she's right here. So I just decided I was going to go get me a new truck and a nice ride and, you know, walk in the dealership and make the deal. I mean, she's such a good wife, you know, she just kind of gives you the look like, you know, God's going to strike you down, but I don't really have to say anything. But it was fine. She was happy for me. You know, it was all good. A couple of days later, I'm in my office at work and Somebody's like, you need to listen to this guy named John Melindy. Has anybody ever heard of John Melindy? They're like, yeah, he has this message on the fear of the Lord. You should listen to it. Folks, I start playing John Melindy, the fear of the Lord, and it was more than a message. It became a habitation in my office. I begin to hit the floor and tremble underneath the weight that I just made a decision, and number one, not only didn't get permission from my wife, I didn't even ask God what he thought about it. I'm beginning to tremble under the weight of this decision that I had made where I never even considered what kind of reflection it had on God. Folks, I, don't, I want to take it a step further. I don't, I don't know if you're around like church circles. Typically, you don't want to hire people in a church circle. Maybe that's just in North Carolina. But when you find out someone is a Christian who has a business, they're usually not going to do you right. I can't tell you how many people say, I would rather hire an unbeliever, it's getting awkward in here, who would actually do the job right with integrity and what I hired them to do than to hire a Christian because they don't stand by their word. But the point is, but is it really their word? Or if they put Jesus on it, we're actually misrepresenting him to customers. There, there, there should be a tangible weight that begins to settle in here where we recognize as believers we have a responsibility to rightly represent God to the best of our ability to those around us. And when we miss the mark, 
We need to bow in humility and walk in repentance and do everything to make it right. Not just so that we can restore our reputation, but so that we can rightly put the holiness of God back on display to the world around us. I'm underneath the fear of the Lord. God, what do I do? I'm so sorry. The Lord said, I want you to give the truck back. I'm like, Lord, that's not the way it works. You don't walk into a dealership and buy a new truck and then, like, go back and return it. I mean, you ever, have you ever heard of, like, you know, sticker price value, you know, diminishing, and I'm probably going to lose at least 10 off the, you know, and I, I'm talking with the Lord, and he's like, I don't care about any of that. And he goes, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them exactly what you did. I don't want you to walk in there and lie and make up some story that will make you look better in their eyes. I want you to tell them exactly what you've done. I walk into this dealership and I park the truck out there and I say, you know what, guys? I'm sorry I've made a mistake. And they say, well, what's, is something wrong with the truck? Is, you know, and I'm like, no, actually, I didn't get God and my wife's permission to buy this truck. So therefore, I'm here to turn it back in. Nothing, there, there's, there's no glorious encounter story. They laughed. They're, 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 they laughed. Are you serious? Yes, I'm, I'm serious. The Lord's just whispering in my ear the whole time. I care more about my reputation than your reputation. Because you chose to sin, now you have a chance to humble yourself and restore the holiness of my name in this deal. You're not going to walk out of here feeling the best, but they're going to know you fear me more than you fear them. I think sometimes we, we think like it's, it's going to be easy. It's a, it's a piece of cake to, to, to restore the dignity and the value and the worth of God back where we failed. Folks, it's going to take some of us in this room. You're going to have to eat crow. There's going to be a realm of humility and wholeness. And Lord, if I'm really in revival, it's going to have to impact my decisions and my choices. And I'm going to have to be consciously aware that where I go and what I do is a reflection of the character and nature of God. And Lord, if I failed you in some way, please forgive me and give me an opportunity to make it right. I'm praying for this kind of paradigm shifting, revival, paradigm to be released in the room tonight. Father, make your name holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I, I think to me it's like we need to ask him to make his name holy so that the next line is not my kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We actually have to ask him to make his name holy so that we can exchange our kingdom for his, our reputation for his. It's something that helps us to get into alignment with his will and his kingdom. Ezekiel says in chapter 20, 41 through 42, I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel. I wrote here, do we understand the, how sacred the name of God was to Jesus? First, it was personal. Moses told God at the burning bush, who should I say that sent me? What's your name? Secondly, the Jews purposely did not use God's name unless it was absolutely necessary. They believed a casual use of God's holy name might break the Ten Commandments by using God's name in vain. They would actually substitute Adonai, my Lord, or Elohim, for the divine name of God, Yahweh, when reading Scripture. There was a reverence. There was an awe. Folks, we desperately need this in America. When the name of God is being associated with so much evil, when people are just flippantly putting mixture and pollution, we've got to begin to cry out in our cities and our regions, God, make your name holy. Lord, let your name be lifted up high among the nations. Lord, let your name be revealed again. Lord, let the desire for churches and ministries and people who want to protect their reputation above yours, Lord, let that competition and let that rivalry fail in comparison to the privilege of making your name holy. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute and, and just say it out loud. God, make your name holy. Just say it a few times, just on your own. God, your name's being mocked. God, your name is being defamed. It's a prophetic cry. It's a grief. It's a desperate cry that should erupt out of our hearts first about the world around us, but I believe it has to start with us. God, make your name holy. The only person that can make God's name holy is God himself. One of my favorite revival quotes is by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, revival is when God gets so tired of his name being misrepresented that he just shows up and enters the room. But follow that line of thought. 
It's not, oh, God, bring revival because we need this and we need this. It's God breaking in in revival because he's so tired of his church misrepresenting him to a nation. It's him breaking into cities and churches with a supreme desire to restore his holy name. Break into America. What are we asking for? We're saying, Lord, come and tear down all the other idols, all the other gods, all the other lovers. God reigns supreme. When God acts to reveal himself, his holiness, through great acts in history and save the people, what effect does it have on him, on them? In other words, when God begins to make his name holy again, to me there's really only one right response. If you'll turn finally to Isaiah chapter 6. I want to prophesy to you that I believe that encounters like Isaiah had in chapter 6 are coming to America again. Isaiah is the prophet who coined the term the Holy One of Israel. Israel. Different prophets had different revelations of God, different pieces that they related to God with or as. And Isaiah knew God as the Holy One of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year... Of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips." For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. God, we invite your holiness here tonight. I want you to just lift your hands for a moment. Just here as a messenger to help facilitate the glory and the presence and the holiness of God. Lord, before we become concerned about what the culture or what others have done to misrepresent your name. God, we just posture our hearts before you tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us into truth.
God, I feel like you're talking to me about corruption. I feel like you're talking to me about tax evasion. I feel like you're talking to me about dirty business deals. Lord, I pray for business owners and marketplace leaders in this room. God, I pray for your holiness and your desire to make your name holy to touch them tonight. Lord, how can we make it right? Lord's even bringing before me, you, you might have gone off on somebody at a restaurant. Somehow, some way, it was about you being a Christian, but the way that you acted toward them misrepresented God to them. Lord, I'm asking that you would bring up situations and circumstances and give us an opportunity to go back in that restaurant and repent. Lord, I pray that if we've acted in the flesh toward a family member or a spouse, misrepresented you, God, for parents, forgive us, Lord, for the way that we've misrepresented your holy name to our kids. Lord, let sobriety come. Let the fear of who you are be felt in our churches and in our nation again. Lord, let us even consider caring more about your reputation than ours. Lord, let us be so mindful of you, God, who we represent to the world around us. Let it be something precious again. Let it be something prized again. Let it be the great privilege that it is rather than just some right. Lord, I pray for ways of awe and wonder to shake our building tonight. Lord, I pray that you would increase your jealousy. Hear God saying, I am a jealous God. I shared earlier about this fourth encounter that I had with this individual. My heart was just so broken over the inability to break cycles for whatever reason. I mean, literally just preaching under anointing in one season and just drunk and, and just so out there in the next. 
I mentioned in this fourth encounter, God began to talk to me about his desire to intervene. But it had nothing to do about this person's gifting or calling. It had to do that this person had crossed a line. That God was going to begin to deal with them more severely. Because God was concerned about his his representation in their lives. And I never forget it. I'm looking straight at this person and the spirit of the Lord comes upon me. I begin to prophesy to this person and I begin to say these words. God says, I have put an investment inside of you and I demand my return. I have put an investment inside of you and I demand its return. And folks, the investment was not the calling. The investment was that God had shared his great name with that person. Do you know that God has shared his name with us? He shared more than a name with us. He shared his very life. God deeply cares. When we walk in hypocrisy. God cares about our lukewarmness. When we're talking Christianese at work. We're throwing God around and throwing the church around and we're still going and getting drunk at the bar with our friends. God's heart is deeply broken and concerned. When you're making the world a friend and all the immorality that comes with it. God's desire tonight is for you and I to pray in a way that we've never prayed before. Father, hallowed be thy name. God, make your name holy. And like Isaiah, he gets hit with the holiness of God and he doesn't even begin to talk about the the nation or he just says, woe is me. Tonight is about you. Tonight is about me. It's about posturing our hearts in real revival and saying, Lord, I'm going to respond and give you back a return on the investment that you've given me. And Lord, I'm going to walk in more sobriety and more seriousness. Lord, I'm going to be more aware. It's sitting in a movie theater that's rated R. It just, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't enter our minds. And the theater is full of other people who know you're a supposed Christian. And we're, we're not, we're, we're probably, oh, well, what, what, 
might they think of me or half of us? We don't even care. We, we want to watch the movie. But it never even strikes our mind. But what kind of representation am I giving to the name of God by sitting in a theater being vomited on by the spirit of the age? No, I'm not going to go and share drinks with you. And to me, it's not a debate over casual drinking or drunkenness. I would never want to put myself in a position where I could have an appearance of evil and cause someone else to stumble. But hold on, though. But I'm, I'm not talking about stumbling because what's Jeremiah doing? You're not hearing me. I'm talking about them stumbling in a revelation of the holiness of God. We've, we've made consequences of sin or not based on the decisions we're going to make about what will people think of me. Rather than, you know what, I'm going to separate and consecrate myself and choose to live, live holy to the Lord. Not because I'm some legalistic hot shot and I, I'm bound by the law. But no, I have a care and a concern to guard the name of God to the world around me. There's something about going down this, this path of holiness and consecration and being more concerned about the name of God than, than our name that irritates and frustrates and drives people crazy. They said to one of the prophets, stop prophesying to us about the Holy One of Israel. We, we don't want to hear that message. Can you get back to the on earth as it is in heaven? Can you just stop preaching about the holiness of God and get to the miracles? Can you just talk about the miracle working power of God when I tell you the lack of demonstration in the American church is directly connected to our lack of consecration? There is a direct connection to a people who refuse to separate themselves from the things of this world. There is a connection to God wanting to make on earth as it is in heaven. I begin to talk with the Lord a, a little more. Okay, God, I'm... I'm tracking with you when you make your name holy. We begin to pray that prayer. The next thing that happens is Isaiah 6 encounters. We'll take seriously tonight leaving here. I want to begin to pray daily the, the Lord's Prayer. Rather than just whatever hallowed be thy name means, now I really know what it means. I really know what it means, Father, make your name holy. And when I get serious about asking you to make your name holy, I know Isaiah 6 type encounters are coming. I know that there's going to be the fear of who you are. I know that there's going to be a conviction of sin. 
I know that there's going to have to be an awareness of my decisions and the places that I go. And I know, God, wherever that I go, I'm out there representing you. So please help me. And again, and when I miss the mark, I pray that reaching back out is not more about saving my behind. And I pray it's more about protecting your reputation, God. So I'm asking the Lord, so God, what's, what's your definition of revival? If you're, if you're trying to help me, you know, and, and I'm not folks here tonight trying to like say this, this is revival. There's many great definitions and great experiences and I bless them all. This experience that God is asking me to share with you tonight that I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. I, I was asking the Lord so Lord, with this in mind and making your name holy and protecting your reputation in these passages in Ezekiel, Lord, what, what would you define as revival? And he said to me, Revelation 4. So turn there with me quickly. Revelation 4. Verse 8, we know it. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say. It's there in Isaiah 6. It's here in Revelation 4. God said to me, and again, in just in this encounter, Jeremiah, revival, it's not about gathering around the miracles of God. It's not about gathering around men and women of God. It's not about gathering around the manifestations of God. Real revival is learning how to gather around the throne of God. Him on the throne and all glory and all awe and all, all splendor. There's only one rule in the throne room. It's called no crowns allowed. Saying, Lord, here's my reputation. Here's what I want. Here's... I want to do this, and I want to watch this, and I want to, Lord, I just, I lay, I lay it down at your feet in revival. And I ask you to put a heart cry in me, an adjustment to my mouth and my attitudes and my actions. Lord, I want to be a burning one. I believe tonight there's a spirit of burning in the room. I believe God wants to mark a people with a greater dimension of revival than you've yet ever known. I believe that just as I've had this paradigm shift, I believe God is using this message to help shift us. And I want you to hear me. I'm, I'm not preaching against on earth as it is in heaven. 
I'm not, I'm not saying I, God is about to perform extraordinary miracles in the room tonight. There's going to continually be an overflowing sense of the power of God in this move. But yet I feel that God is beckoning some of us to go back in our theology and our understanding of revival and insert God make your name holy before we say on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that God is asking some of us who are guiding our decisions based off of our destiny and our reputation and what's my calling. He's trying to say, I want you to set that aside and I want you to start asking me about my destiny and my calling and my plans for your life. I want you to reprioritize and I want you to shift your understanding so that I can bring you into the fullness who, who into the fullness who I've created you to be. So just one more time, would you bow your heads? We're just practicing the presence tonight. We're preparing the waters prayer meetings this week, amazing conference this weekend, but God, here we are on a Sunday night saying, God, make your name holy. All over the room, just take a few minutes and just say, God, make your name holy. God, we pray for a holy paradigm shift tonight. God, make your name holy. Release encounters like Isaiah had in this generation. Lord, raise up burning ones. Lord, raise up messengers, raise up marketplace people who have been marked by your holiness. God, I pray for a renewed, healthy sense of the fear of who you are to mark our business deals this week. How we act at the restaurant how we talk to people in the grocery store.
just for a minute in your own way, I want you just to begin to worship him. Just begin to open up your mouth. Just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. Well, we have a few minutes tonight. I just want you to lift up your voice. I don't think this is supposed to be some dramatic altar call. It's just something shifting in our minds. The Holy Spirit impacting the human heart. There it is, there it is. Just a few more minutes. Just lift up your voice. Adore him. Magnify him. Bless the name of the Lord. God, deliver me from my destiny and what's in it for me. We adore you, Jesus. We cry out with the elders and the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. God, make your name holy in America again. Some of you here tonight, you know what I'm talking about with the cycles. Because you're in the cycle. You've had good seasons where you're serving the Lord and then you're back out in the world. God sent me here tonight to tell you that he's put a deposit in you. And he's coming for his investment. The man that I'm talking about responded to that word from the Lord and has never had another cycle in 10 years. But he and I needed a revelation that day. That it was more about God than us. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, maybe you're watching online, that you want to fully surrender to God tonight. I'm not saying you have to get born again if you're not living for Jesus and you really need to get born again. Let's do that. There could be some of you tonight just in another cycle. And tonight that cycle stops. That's you tonight. 
disciples. One foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. And you're ready to say, I'm all in. I want you to stand to your feet quickly. singing it all weekend. The chains are breaking. The chain breakers are in the room. I want to encourage you if you're standing to get baptized tonight. You might have not planned for it, but I believe that part of the baptism that God's going to release tonight at the North Georgia Revival is the baptism of hallowed be thy name. Someone is standing around you, just put your hand out to them, please. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, and if you're standing, I want you to begin to repent. I want you to repent of waywardness and double-mindedness. I want you to repent for making it about you. I want you to repent. It's the only way you're going to get free. I'm going to take authority over demonic spirits. I'm going to begin to renounce them and revoke their authority. But you have to repent. You have to repent. Turn away from your sins. It's more than feeling bad about it. So in the name of Jesus... I break every curse of homosexuality in the name of Jesus. Every sexual perverse spirit, I command you to loose your grip off of their life in the name of Jesus. Every unclean spirit, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. I say that you will come up and out right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke every rebellious spirit, every wayward spirit, every form of double-mindedness right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over you by the blood of Jesus, by his finished work, and I say you're done right now in Jesus' name. If you're sitting, just begin to pray in the spirit. Just one more minute. People are getting free right now in Jesus' name. Cycles are being broke right now in Jesus' name. I declare over some of you, household salvation is your portion and your inheritance in Jesus' name. I say that you are called to redeem the time. Shame is lifting now in Jesus' name. Satan, I command you to loose your grip. Every tormenting spirit, I take authority over nightmares. I sense warfare in the night season in this room. 
I command a ceasefire in the night season in Jesus' name. Every tormenting devil, I command you to stop your activity in Jesus' name. Every sexual spirit that flies by night, I command you to cease right now in Jesus' name. If you're standing, just receive it. Just receive it. In the name of Jesus, we repent. We turn away. We renounce all forms of evil. We shut every door to the evil one. God, come and fill the house. Come and fill the house. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would baptize these people with Holy Spirit fire. Holy Spirit fire, would you come? I ask for a spirit of burning to mark every person standing. Holy Spirit, come with fire. Come with fire. We'll thank you for it. Now, Lord, we thank you for these baptisms that are about to take place. We thank you, Lord, even now that you're stirring the waters of holiness and the fear of who you are. Lord, I'm asking that you would come and do outstanding miracles tonight. Outstanding miracles. As we have turned our hearts and we have repented and postured our hearts before you. Now, God, would you come and demonstrate your power the name of Jesus. And everybody said, thank you very much.